Welcome to a brand new edition of Billy, Raul, and La Musica, and this special series we call Behind the Industry, where we delve a little deeper into amazing people that are involved with record labels, with management, with agencies. And this gentleman that we're going to get to speak to in moments, his name is Sebastian Chris, a dear friend. How many Grammys and Latin Grammys has this guy won, Billy? I've lost track. I mean, last time I checked was like, I think (laughs) close to like 15 Latin Grammys and a couple of Grammys. He is producer extraordinaire. And like you mentioned, he's a good friend of ours. Personally, he's a very, very close friend of mine. He, He has always... Always supported all my loqueras, all my crazy projects. He's like super down. He's giving me great advice. He's just one of the good people in the music industry. And I am very blessed and fortunate to call him a friend. Yeah. And that's the people that we want to link up with because there's more to the story than just what you see in the limelight, on TV, on the radio. There's all these amazing people that are really in the industry behind these awesome artists that we come to know and love. So when we talk to somebody like Sebastian Chris and really get to know like what makes them tick, what their day-to-day is like, that's what this is all about. It's like giving you a little more insight, giving you a little bit of an education and somebody that's as celebrated with so many awards, accolades, but doing it for the right reason. Like he even does an event during Latin Grammy week called Los Producers, where he gets amazing artists to jump on stage all together And really just gel and do it for a great cause. And this year, he's teaming up with the Michael J. Fox Foundation to create awareness and raise funds for Parkinson's disease. The Producers is definitely my favorite event during the Latin Grammy week. And I think this is his 10th year doing The Producers. So I'm super excited. Like you said, he brings in like in the past, he's had Rosalia, Luis Fonsi, Juanes perform cover songs that each artist gets to pick. So it's super fun to watch these artists like pick like random genres that you had you would have never heard them play before. So it's super fun. Like I said, my favorite event by far. And one of my favorite people right here on Pili Raúl en la Música is Sebastián Cris. So enjoy it. Le damos bienvenida a one of, one of our longtime friends, someone who my first impression was of complete intimidation when I met him. <laughs> and afterwards, we just became really good friends. And he's one of those, I don't want to say a few people because there's great people in the music industry, but he's one of the people in the music industry that I cherish and love and appreciate so much. Nuestro amigo, multi-Grammy award-winning and multi-Latin Grammy award-winning, Sebastián Cris. Hello. Good morning. Is it morning? Don't be shy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You know, people are hearing this all over the world in different parts of the world. So Five o'clock somewhere. You know, even better yet, I think it's beer o'clock somewhere, right? Yeah. Exactly. I thought about drinking a beer while we do this. I mean, the world is coming to an end. Might as well. You should have a beer. Like, what would Sebastian be without a beer next to him? Like, it's so iconic. It's right on the other side of this wall. Right on the other side of the screen. I can't reach it. Have you been? And you mentioned, well, but you also mentioned intimidating, right, Billy? How, like, the first time you met him? Yeah. 
Sebastian, you're, you're one of those kind of guys that that not many words. You know, you you speak very few words and very tough no, to read I'm, at times. I'm shy. <laughs> you know what? I, I I got that from my dad. I I'm I'm really just kind of shy and antisocial. And intimidation works as a good tool for, you know, to not have to interact with people when you're shy. I mean, I think, I think it's just a defense mechanism, but it's, um, my dad was the exact same way. And then he was a, you know, he was a wonderful, sweet man, but he was like one of those guys that gave you the, the death rays, you know, See, well, sorry, I was going to say, you can imagine what my sister brought, you know, boys, to the house it was my brother <laughs> myself and my dad and we we all have we all have that thing poor Ouch. poor kids poor kids poor that. sister yeah. i know well, i will say this letter. you're you're very tough to read like in the poker world of playing cards you are very tough to read sir so yeah, yeah it's very well, few words but it's that that kind of like mm -hmm. yeah it's, <laughs> uh, thank god i don't play poker because right now it's, it's i think it would have served me well at some point but but you know you're a perfect example of like you can't judge a book by its cover because so you and I have talked about this before Sebastian. But the first time that I met Sebastian, well, the first time that I recollect meeting him was at his studio in LA. Um, I was recording a Te para tres with La Santa Cecilia, and we went to record this episode as at his studio and, right here. Right, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was just like, hi, I was. So, and I don't get sh like starstruck or anything, but I was just like completely intimidated. And then it turns out that Sebastian has like the biggest fucking heart. He's one of those like cheerleaders. Anything I do, any crazy stuff that I do, Sebastian like cheers for me. And of course, his talent, it, su oído, his ear is just uncomparable. Well, you should, you you should know it. that I'm, I'm writing a book and the title of the book is How to Make It in the Music Business Without Any Talent. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's funny you mentioned talent because I've, i've been around it you have been around it how do you feel that you can because i mean you've been in this for such a long time you feel like you're completely tuned in into what is real talent what is raw talent versus what's just hype um yes and no because i i've been wrong about like some artists come out and i'm like oh this is this is terrible And, and I was completely wrong about it, you know, so you have to know, you know, your own taste and not get taste confused with actual talent. And then there's, there's people that are incredibly talented to do things that you just don't like, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that's fine, but you can't discount, you know, the fact that they're good at what they do and that they connect with, you know, with an audience and, and that they're making worthwhile art. Um, so, you know, some of it, I think as you get older, you, you become more appreciative of things you don't like because the, the list of things you don't like grows, you become sort of entrenched in what you love. And, and then a lot of the stuff, it just doesn't, is not made for you. You know, it's made for a different audience. And I was working with this group one time and the kids were like 18, 19 years old. And it's like, do you like it? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> they go what do you mean i'm like i understand it but if i like it we're probably doing it wrong mm, you know because your right. fans are like 15 year old girls right and i'm you know at the time i was like a 40 plus year old man with kids and it's like man you don't want me to like it you know because if, if i like it we're gonna fail that's so hard though to like differentiate right and compartmentalize like this is what i like versus this is what's good 
Because I, I mean, a, an example of what you just said of like, like Bat Bunny. I, I've never liked Bat Bunny. I thought Bat Bunny was horrible. Boy, was I wrong. Right. Right. No, I, I think I think it's you know that's that's where taste comes in. I mean, I I listen to you know I listen to like his records, and it's not something that I would do. You know, I, I've listened to it because I'm I'm curious about what it's about. Um, and you got to hand it to the guy; he's fearless. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. he's fearless, and he's tuned into something, tapped into something that very few artists tap into. Yeah, you can't just chalk that up to luck or marketing or or whatever it is. So there's there's obviously a, a real talent and commitment to to his art behind what he does, and and you you know you have to respect that. 100%. I mean, I, I, I have, I mean, he's, he's really, you know, hats off to him. Oh, you yeah. know, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not for me and he's probably happy. But it's not for me. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. not his target audience. What? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, but, but, you know, you, you learn to, you do learn to differentiate. And then once in a while you meet kids from different generations that are, that do things that really, you know, hate you. Um, on a personal level, you know, production is such a fine line between being objective and being, and also being completely emotionally invested in it. And it takes time to do both things, mm. you know, because at the end of the day, you're producing somebody else's music. Right. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's why your name's in the back and not in the front of the you know, album cover. <laughs> and and you gotta always remember that, you know, and, and and sometimes you think you're it's yours. And in some ways it is, but it's really not. You know, it's it's the guy or the girl or the group who whose name is on the front. Well but, you've been kind enough to to invite me up to your place as well, up to your studio to go have a beer and listen to music. And walking into your room right there, the first thing that I noticed was your collection of Grammys and Latin Grammys sitting on top of a piano. But yeah, there's some artists that are iconic that you've worked with and legends. But you mentioned working with a group that's a crew of 18-year-olds. What kind of expectations do you have or don't have when you start working on a project with a young act? Um, I I think you try to approach every project kind of the same way. Um, from a, I, I think you have to, for me, I have to approach it from a point of respect, you know, in, in the sense that this is this person's or this group's life project and you're going to work with them for a little bit and then you're going to move on to something else. Right. But this is the most important thing for them. So it's got to be the most important thing for you. Um, and if you don't respect the artists that you work with, I, I think you shouldn't work with them. You know, uh-huh. so so even though it's a it's an eighteen year old or a nineteen year old, just to backtrack a little bit, I, I went to see, I got invited to go see Taylor Swift a couple of years ago. I'm obviously not Taylor Swift's target audience, and I wanted to go because I wanted to see what it was about. Um, I have sons, not daughters. Um, you know, not that she doesn't have you know a, a very mixed audience, but but you know she is kind of a a. a spokesperson for for young girls and mm-hmm. you know it was amazing to see the connection she had with her audience and and if you as a producer work with somebody and you can help guide them to to be honest with themselves and be honest with their audience um you don't necessarily have to absolutely understand or love 
what it is they do. You just have to understand who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and once you understand who they are, you can you can be of some service to to what they're trying to achieve and, and really follow their lead. I mean, I, I think that whether you're with a with an 18-year-old artist or or a 70-year-old artist, you have to understand them and and try to figure out the best way for them to achieve what they're trying to achieve with their music. So it also sounds like besides being a producer, you're kind of like a psychologist of sorts, because you also, you know, these artists are humans. So they bring in their frustrations, their fights at home, the ups and downs, their emotions into the studio, right? How do you as a producer kind of like handle that? Well, I, I think half the job is psychological. Um, you know, you ha- for, for me, the biggest thing is creating a safe space for people to create. Um, you know, in a place where they can make mistakes, where they can be themselves, where they don't have to be the version of themselves that people that, you know, that they give to the world, um, where they can really tap into who they are. And, and, and a lot of artists are, are one and the same. Whatever they give to the world is who they are. Some artists are, you know, are a little bit more protective of their private uh, life. And, and you just want to create a, a place where they can just create honestly and, and not feel judged um, and, and have a, be able to have an honest dialogue with them about what it is that they're doing and, and if they're going about it the right way or if they're, if they're, or if they're achieving what their goals are. How do you create Just, a trust? Um, I think by being as transparent as you can be, by not telling somebody like, do you like it? And if you don't, you go like, yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's, <laughs> I love this. I'm going to listen to this for the rest of my life. And that not being true, you know, and, and, and then, you know, you have to, you, you just have to be honest with, with people and, and understand that just because you're being honest doesn't mean you're right. That, that right. you, that it's your perspective of something and that if they push back and they believe in something that you also have to trust them, you know, that, that they're doing the right thing. Do you think that's part of um, your success formula? Not that you have a formula, but the fact that you have Elvis Costello coming back to work with you, La Santa Cecilia coming back and work with you, Juan is coming back to work with you. I mean, that consistency of them wanting you to be part of their project, obviously there's something about them, about you that they really gravitate towards. And do you feel like it's that? Um, yeah, I, I think I think partly it's it's that. I think partly it's that um I'm curious when they come, when somebody comes with an idea and it may seem crazy that I'll actually try to figure out a way to make that idea into a reality. Mm. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm actually really proud of what you mentioned. The fact that, you know, I can have a a long-term working relationship with certain artists and, and see an arc to, to our collaboration and, and, and what we've done. And that's, that's something I'm really, I'm really proud of. Um, they, you know, and, and a lot of the artists you mentioned, every artist you just mentioned, um, they have a curiosity. You know, they don't, they don't like repeating the, something they've already done. There's no sense in that. Um, and I'm kind of the same way. I, I don't want to make the same album twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we're not afraid to push ourselves and push our own boundaries and and say, okay, just because this worked doesn't mean that this is what we need to do again. In fact, it means 
that that worked and that was great and we were done with that and we have to move on. Um, you know, and sometimes we do a good job and sometimes, you know, not so much, but, mm-hmm. but it's never, you shouldn't make music out of fear. Mm. You know, and that, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's just, it's making music out of, out of curiosity and out of pushing yourself and pushing your audience and, and pushing the boundaries, you know, whatever those boundaries may be for, they're different for every person, but yeah. You're checking out a brand new edition of Behind the Industry with Billy, Raul, and La Musica, and Sebastian Chris, the beer connoisseur. Oh, that's true. That's true. He loves his beers. And not just any beer, but it's got to be good beer, which, you know, Sebastian is is one of those kind of guys that he's a, he's a bit of a perfectionist and he knows when something is good, which is why he's been able to win so many Latin Grammys and Grammys and all the accolades that come along with this name of Sebastian Cris. We're excited to be part of the producers this year during the Latin Grammy week in Las Vegas and watch all of these great artists perform on stage really fun songs that are not theirs you know they pick cover songs and it's always super fun and it's to raise awareness around Parkinson disease by teaming up with the Michael J. Fox Foundation so if you want to learn more about Sebastian Cris and you want to learn more also how you can help Michael J. Fox Foundation follow Sebastian Cris on all of his social media platforms he's always posting and sharing links so go ahead and do that and while you're there, follow Pili Raul en la Musica, subscribe to the podcast, support, give us a little review, maybe five stars, nothing less. We don't want anything less, but support it. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more of this Behind the Industry series, then check it out. Support it and subscribe it and review us. Now let's get back to this conversation with Sebastian Chris on Pili Raul and la Musica. Well, that producer role is kind of like, almost like kind of like a coach role and kind of like a way to, I guess, in essence, execute their plan. And sometimes they don't even know what their plan is. How do you come into that kind of planning process then? And I guess, allow them to believe in what your plan and how you can help execute their plan comes in. I think there's there's a lot of layers to that. One one thing is, I always ask the question, why, why are you? Why do you want to go in the studio? Why an album? Why, what is it that you want to do? You know, and, and a lot of people, like you said, some people have a clear idea of what it is they want to do. Other people um, are, are in search of, and you kind of have to, you know, guide them a little bit um, and try to find those answers. Um, the, the biggest thing is for them to try to find the answers, like, like a good psychologist. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you've ever gone to therapy, the person on the other side is always just shaking their head and asking you questions. They're never giving you answers. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's a little bit of, of what you have to do because you want this to be born out of them uh, so that it's genuine. Um, and I mean, it's a process that I enjoy. I, I enjoy that, that discovery with an artist of trying to figure out, you know, what it is that they want to do and how to then execute it. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's part of the fun part of the job for me is, is actually that, you know, is finding, finding that road and that path. And, and like a coach, sometimes, you know, if you're, if you got like, you know, Messi and, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, all these, then your job is just to sit back and let them do their thing and not get in the way, you know, and that's, that was, um, that's a big lesson. Sometimes you have to, you know, really 
get your hands dirty. Sometimes you have to just, you know, make sure that you don't screw it up. How long did it take you to learn that? that, that <laughs> um, it, you know, I learned it pretty early on. And I think I learned it when I realized that the projects weren't mine, that, that I was a part of the project, but the project belonged to the artist. And, and my job is to support them and, and try to, you know, be part of, of the solution and not part of the problem. And, and I think it's when you put your, your ego aside, your wants mm, aside, yeah. and then and really concentrate on, on what the task is and what the music demands and figure out, you know, what you think is the best way to, to go about it and, and pitch that to the artist and see if they'll go on that ride with you, how to execute what, what their vision is. You know, you've worked with artists from England to Puerto Rico, Colombia, all over the world. Um, and there are some cultural nuances, obviously, to right. each person. Um, how do you handle those when it comes to the studio? Um, I, I think it's more, it's more asking a lot of questions before you go in. Um, you know, I usually ask artists, like, what's been your best experience in the studio and why what's been your worst experience and why uh, let's try not to repeat the worst experience or, or, or <laughs> trumpet, you know? Um, so you have kind of like a questionnaire or like an interview process, even with artists that you've worked for before, right? Because yeah, every I mean, project is different. Yeah. It's not, I wouldn't call it an interview, but I just want to get as much information as I can. Of, of of how people work and and if i'm you know if i'm working with a band talk to each band member and kind of try to figure out the band dynamic because you're going into a, an existing dynamic um, that you have to adapt to right um, and especially if you have artists that have a lot of experience you know you have to kind of adapt to to the way that they work because they have a way that they like doing it mm -hmm. and and it's and it's a matter of of how do you put yourself in that situation? I mean, the, Elvis was a perfect example. You know, he's two of his bandmates he's played with for 40 years. Wow. And the, and the other one for 25. And how do you insert yourself into that dynamic? Right. You know, and, and it was, it was talk about intimidating and scary and, mm. and <laughs> trying to figure out where I fit in without getting in the way. That's um, right. Because I mean, now that you say that, you kind of become part of that band during the process of producing and recording the album. You are the fifth or third or, or duo part well, of, the, of the band. If you've ever seen, have you guys seen some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary? I haven't. It's in pieces of it. It's in pieces of yeah, it. Yeah, but it's, it's great because uh, they have a band psychologist and the band eventually bands together and turns against the psychologist. <laughs> Um, you know, because the psychologist overstepped his bounds. So um, to me, it's like, how do you make sure that doesn't happen? <laughs> how do you make sure you're not like all of a sudden everybody's just, you know, <laughs> against you, you. you've had everybody turn turn against you. And uh, so so again, if, if you're in a, in, in a band dynamic, especially a band that's been together a long time or musicians that have played with with artists for a long time, how do you understand your place? Because your place isn't going to be the place of any of these other individuals, you know. So, uh, and, and again, you have to go back to respecting why they're there, why somebody's chosen to collaborate with somebody for 40 years or 30 years or 25 years. 
um, you know, there's a reason and it's your job to figure that reason out. And if, mm-hmm. if you can't figure it out, it's your job to just respect it. Right. Well, I, I know a little bit of the story, how you met Elvis Costello, but how did that first interaction go with Elvis Costello? Well, I, I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I mean, since then, I've gotten to, to know him and we've become friends. But that first time was just like, you know, I was geeking out. As, as you do when you meet somebody who you admire and you admire their work. You know, I, I met him while he was working on a ballet in Miami and I got invited to go to a rehearsal. And, you know, I was just trying not to embarrass myself. <laughs> you know, like like to not have it be like that um, that famous SNL skit of uh, Chris Farley interviewing McCartney. Yeah. You know, it's like, awesome, you know. It's like, you work in this long enough, you understand that there's a human being behind all this magic that happens. And it's, it's a person with a family and with, you know, with ups and downs, just like everybody else, you know, you're around it long enough, you, you don't get starstruck. And, but there's still a level of magic once, when somebody's music has, has really penetrated, you know, your heart and soul. Yeah. I, I've had that, luckily that opportunity several times of, of working with people that are really i really admire and it's just it's kind of why you get into it to so someday be in the studio and and somebody opens their mouth and and it sounds like exactly that person that <laughs> that you have on your on your records it's because it is so from your 30 plus years in the industry oh I'm god sure, <laughs> i'm sure you, this is a, this is a hard one but what production are you most proud of um it's hard because you're generally i mean i'll be able to look back at it objectively when it's done but you're you're into whatever you're doing at the moment you know so in in the moment you're living whatever music you're making um and you're obsessing over it and you know just breathing and sleeping you know the projects that you're working on and like I'm, I'm currently working on three or four projects, and I, it's, you know, I've gotten up at three o'clock in the morning just because I, I have an idea and go down to the studio, and you can't wait till the next morning. And and I, and I think that that's that's the great thing about our job. It's like you can do this for thirty years and still be like, I got to get in the studio and do this. And then right, I like do it you now. don't lose the passion or the excitement. Yeah. Yeah, so th- that that part is, you know, that's a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've been very lucky to work with a lot of people who I, I admire. But but it's generally like whatever you're working on at the moment. I mean, I know that's a that's a cheap answer, um, <laughs> but it, it's it's a lot easier to, you know, what happens with me is like I'll work on something while I'm working on it. I'll listen to it obsessively. Like I'll walk around like with these headphones on in the house and, you know, my wife and kids are just like, what's wrong with it? You know, and, and I'll, and I'll be listening to whatever it is I'm working on nonstop. And then when it comes out, I, I won't listen to it again, probably for years, you know, and I'll come That's across so it. That's so crazy. Like, right. So it's kind of like yeah. a puzzle. And when the puzzle is finished, the last piece is completes the puzzle, then you don't have to. Yeah. The last piece is when it hits the audience. Right. You know, and that's when it's like, oh boy, you know, like, <laughs> like nothing I can do now. You know, it's it's like the roller coaster when it's going up. And then, you know, at that point, you're there's no backing out. Right. 
Well, you've talked about working with icons like Elvis Costello, but you've also worked with people like Juanes, which we all know and love, and La Santa Cecilia, but you're wearing a Rebellion shirt right now. And when you're working with established artists, you're working with their label and their world and their team. What made you decide to start your own label so that you can have maybe a little more control or the the decisions, the choices? No, I I felt like it was uh, just a natural progression. Um, you know, I, I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for people who are on the executive side and the management side. It's hard work and it's a lot of work. And it's a a lot of times it's, you're making decisions that are unpopular or, you know, you're having to be the bad guy. And for me, it was, I wanted to have a company that found talent and, and helped talent grow, whether it's executives uh, producers, songwriters, artists, uh, just help people find their way into the industry and, and give people breaks and and hopefully uh, leave them in a better spot once they left than when they came in. And that that was really the goal. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, so it, it wasn't just a, 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 to me, I didn't look at it as a label. I looked at it more as a, as a music company. As a resource. And it's not only the companies, you as well, because I love it. most of the times that you travel and you do travel a lot, you're always asking people on your IG stories, like, what do you want to know? And a lot of people are asking you, like, how can I become a producer? How can I become a sound engineer? What, you know, what are, what microphones are you using? What's your equipment? And I love the fact that you, t- you know, you're so freaking busy that you take the time to help these strangers that just follow you on Instagram because you have that big because I'm afraid I'm afraid of flying and it keeps me distracted. (laughs) (laughs) That's the real reason. It's like turbulence, uh, you know, keep me, keep me distracted. But I feel like Um, that speaks so highly of you. You know, it's like, you have all these tools, you have so much talent, you have so much experience and you're not afraid of sharing that with the rest of the world. Well, I mean, the worst thing that can happen is people can learn how not to do things, you know, (laughs) Um, I, I'm very proud of, you know, like all my former assistants that are doing really well. Like just this week, years ago, I signed when I, when I first started sort of before Rebellion came into existence, I had, uh, like an A&R consultant, uh, contract with Universal and I signed Lasso to Universal and, and that was years ago and he's been, you know, Picando Piedra hey. for years and years and years. And his producer is a former assistant of mine, Orlando Ito. Wow. Um, and this week they cracked with a song, they cracked the top 100 global on Spotify. You! you know? Wow. So, awesome. you know, and I, and I have nothing to do with, with the song, with the production, with, you know, with the A&R, with any of that. But it, it's, it's just so great to see people that, that you came across and maybe opened the door or two along the way, just killing it, you know, and then that, and that's, that to me is, is, you know, something I'm, I'm really, really proud of. And I was, I was talking to Laszlo today. We were just marveling at this thing that's happening. That's, that's kind of crazy and, and he deserves it. And, and Vito deserves it. It's, it's just great to see. That's so cool that you were part of that process. Yeah. The fact that you open doors for so many and you continue to have that inside flame, that yearning for producing just really cool shit is what what we love about you, man. So we just wish you continued success and appreciate the time, man. 
We love you. Thanks Thanks so much for sharing more about you and, and your amazing, I mean, what a blessed life and career you've had. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully once I, if I ever finish this book, you'll get a, you'll get a a manual on how to have marginal talent and (laughs) make it in the industry (laughs) and make it in the industry for 30 years. Please finish it for all of our entertainment purposes. Please do finish yeah, it's, that book. There's, wait, there's some pretty funny it. stuff. <laughs> all right. Gracias, Sarah. Thanks, Sebas, we gracias. love you. All right. Talk Thanks, to you guys Appreciate soon. it. You got it. Bye. 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 There you have it. Another episode of Pili Raul en la Musica as part of the Behind the Industry series this time with our amazing guest and amigo Sebastián Cris. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for following us on all social media platforms, including YouTube. And thank you, Sebastian, for your time, for your friendship, for your advice, for your awesomeness. And thank you, Raul, for your awesomeness as well, my dear. Billy, you are the best. And it's always a blast to do these episodes with you. So thank you. And of course, everybody listening out there, we'll catch you next time. Los queremos. Bye. Bye.